Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. One of the most exciting new offerings in the works from MTSU will be the Physician Assistant Program. The program will obtain validation from the Accreditation Review Commission on Education for the Physician Assistant. Dr. Marie Patterson, an assistant professor in the College of Behavioral and Health Sciences, is the program's director. And we'll talk about this new program after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. With guidance from MTSU Medical Director Eric Clark, organizers for the upcoming Tennessee Girls in STEM Math and Science Conference at MTSU have decided to postpone the event until next spring because of COVID-19 concerns. The one-day conference had been scheduled for Saturday, September 25th. Organizers will work with MTSU event coordination to determine a new date, increasing COVID infection numbers statewide, and the ages of the middle school and high school participants helped Clark recommend that the Tennessee Girls in STEM committee postpone the event. About 100 volunteers assist with the day-long conference. The fall conference, which will now be celebrating its 25th anniversary in the spring, had so far generated a combined 155 registrations from middle school and high school girls. And workers with Hoare Construction continue making tremendous progress on the $40.1 million MTSU School of Concrete and Construction Management Building on the southwest side of campus. University and construction officials converged on the site September 14th for a topping out ceremony to celebrate the daily progression being made by construction workers who signed the final beam and watched it being lifted by crane to the top of the structure. The 54,000-square-foot building is expected to be completed in 15 months in time for fall 2022 classes. The facility features classrooms, faculty and staff offices, and laboratory space for concrete industry management, one of the most exclusive programs in the nation, and construction management, both of which provide interns and ready-to-work graduates awaiting potentially lucrative careers. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Marie, welcome and thank you for being with us. Hi, thank you for having me. It's very exciting. Yes, before we get into the specifics of the MTSU program, let's talk about the position of physician assistant itself and how it has grown over the past several years. Almost everyone I know has seen a physician assistant <laughs> at some time or another in lieu of a doctor. Uh, or, or in addition to a doctor, how are the duties of a physician assistant defined? We're found in all specialties. And so um, it's really defined at the practice level. You know, um, we, we practice in collaboration with the physician. You know, so we, we really love and are fond of the team atmosphere of healthcare. And so we do get to be clinicians. So we get to see patients, write prescriptions, you know, perform procedures. Um, you'll see us in the OR, in the emergency room, you know, we're really, we're trained as generalists. And so we don't have to specialize. And so that's another great thing about our career is, you know, you can go to pediatrics, you can go do cardiothoracic surgery. So there really is no limit on what specialty you'll, you, you could go into or um, really the things that you could do. So as long as your um, collaborating physician is comfortable teaching you things on the job and, and then you're allowed to do those things in the office 
or assisting in surgery as well. What are the prospects for job growth in this field in the coming years? You know, it's constantly ranked on one of the best careers in not just healthcare, but all across all fields. And that is because of the increase in in our job growth right now. Um, When you think about a pandemic, you know, the last thing we need is fewer clinicians right now. (laughs) We need more clinicians. And I think this is kind of highlighting that and that, and we're great about filling in gaps, you know, rural areas, you know, increasing access to care and things like that. And so when I graduated from PA school, we weren't known as much. People did not, I still had to explain a lot what we actually do. And not having to have that conversation as much anymore. It seems like we're more well-known. Our job growth has been really good over the past decade or two and, and showing no signs of slowing down at all. I think as more PAs get out there, then more people are, are familiar with us and the more people that work with us in the healthcare and see our role in the healthcare team, then we do become more popular. So I think that that is helping. We're a very young profession. You know, we've only been around, I think this is the 52nd year, 51st year. Um, so, so kind of a baby profession um, as far as that goes. And so we are still in the process of growing, which is, is great to see because I'm very fond of the profession. Just it, it's been really a great Thing for my life. So I'm always excited to talk about the PA profession. What uh, is the salary range? And AAPA is our national organization and they do a great job of putting, you know, salaries out, you know, salary thing that you can look up every year. Um, and, and the thing that's tricky about that is, is it depends on what part of the country you're in. And it also depends on what specialty you're in. Because I mean, if you ask physicians, what's, what's your salary? Are they an anesthesiologist or are they in primary care and pediatrics? So it's really, it's similar for us. You know, some of the surgical specialties are going to make more, but you can make a very good um, career um, out of being a PA. And, you know, of course that should not be why we choose to do this um, profession, but I would say that a lot of PAs come out of school could make in the six figure range. Um, depending on what they go into. But now that's not always what you should be looking for because there are some great opportunities to work in places that pay you less, but that will pay off your student loans. So that's a win-win situation a lot of times too. And so it really depends. What part of the country are you in? What specialty are you in? And a lot of times what's great about being a PA is there's a lot of flexibility. So maybe you're working part-time for a couple of different places. Maybe you're working what we call PRN, which is as needed, where you control your schedule and you give this clinic two days a month and you give this emergency room four days a month. And so you can really be in control of your schedule and how much you're bringing in, you know, yourself. So that's what we like. We like the flexibility and then not feeling stuck that a lot of people in healthcare end up feeling. So that sometimes is more beneficial from a salary perspective to do it that way. Now to the program itself, how mm-hmm. did the idea for this develop? It's kind of funny because I think a couple of different people had this idea. Um, like for one, I am a true blue person myself. I'm from Murfreesboro. I'm a local girl. I actually worked a decade of my career at the student health clinic at MTSU. And I precepted PA students and you know, I was always enjoying, you know, if I saw a student and they were interested in, in being a PA, I would talk to them forever and ever. But I wanted this to happen for MTSU a long time ago. And I always thought, man, it'd be great if MTSU had a PA program. Just the amount of students that I saw and that contacted me about the profession. I was like, man, this is, this would be really great in this area, but it didn't happen. 
course, I was just working in the clinic at that point, so I didn't really know any of the upper administration. And then um, Peter Cunningham, the vice provost for academic affairs, he had the idea as well and had kind of several years ago tried, you know, to get it off the ground. And at the time, it just wasn't the right time for MTSU. And so now it is, you know, so the idea has been there for a long time and, and now it's just kind of coming to fruition. And I'm really excited and, and administration's been great because they definitely see that the time is right and um, are excited because they see how many of our students apply to PA school and we're only going to have 30 spots so I mean <laughs> you can see where you know the PA as far as applying right now it has gone through the roof it is it's very competitive to get into PA school because it is very popular and we'll get into the specifics in just a moment right mm -hmm. now we take a break this is MTSU on the record Specialized training in forensic science prepares tomorrow's professionals through the Forensic Institute for Research and Education, or FIRE. The Forensic Anthropology Search and Recovery Team assists law enforcement with skeletal remains at crime scenes. Legendary forensic scientists provide lectures free to the public, and high school students work realistic crime scenes each summer at our CSI MTSU camp. I'm Dr. Hugh Berryman, Director of FIRE. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Expanding Your Horizons is an annual hands-on science and math conference for middle and high school girls. EYH enables girls to investigate careers in science and math and to talk with female leaders in those fields that are so essential to our nation's future. EYH also provides the girls with fun hands-on activities and allows them to meet girls with similar interests. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, EYH Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Our guest is Dr. Marie Patterson. She's an assistant professor in the College of Behavioral and Health Sciences and the director of the new physician assistant program at MTSU. How unusual is it for a university that doesn't have a school of medicine or its own teaching hospital to have a program like this? It's actually not that uncommon. I'm coming from a university actually that didn't have one. You'll see it smaller, you know, liberal arts schools with a PA program. I wouldn't say it's unusual. I wouldn't say the majority come from academic, you know, medical centers. Um, it really kind of runs all across the board as far as university types that end up having a PA program. You know, there's for-profit universities and non-for-profit universities and large universities and Ivy League universities. It really just runs the gamut. So there are plenty uh, of schools that don't have an academic medical center or a college of medicine. What will the curricula be like? PA programs in general, uh, how we do things is usually the didactic or the book portion is all up front. Ours will be 15 months of, and that's in a row. So I mean, you're talking four semesters in a row, intense didactic coursework. And then you have your clinical year where you go on clinical rotations. So 15 and 12. So it's a 27 month program. You start in May and then you'll graduate in August. Um, but the whole idea is to get in and get it done and then graduate so you can go out and, and help in the workforce. So that's always been the point of PA program. We really don't take time off. It is rigorous and it is time consuming and you really are, when you're in it, you're in it. And then, you know, you're able to graduate and go on and practice and, and that kind so of thing. So you, you will be taking courses in the summer then? Yes, a full semester in the summer. Uh, what uh, are the classes like? What types of classes uh, will be offered? PA schools in general, you know, our accreditation is extremely rigorous and very standardized. So there are things that have to be covered 
So while a school may call a class a different name, the same types of things are being covered. So you will cover anatomy, usually several semesters of physiology. A lot of times it's systems-based, cardiology, pulmonology, you know, those types of things. The bulk, you know, kind of the core of PA programs curriculum is clinical medicine. So that is when you learn the diseases, how they are usually by system. Again, cardiology, dermatology, you know, endocrinology, all those types of things. How to treat diseases, how to prevent diseases, you know, all those types of things goes in clinical medicine. You learn procedures. So we'll, we'll teach them how to do certain procedures, um, how to interpret labs, how to read EKGs, chest x-rays, x-rays in general, you know, all those types of things. Communications, physical exam, you know, those are usually several semesters. Pharmacology, same thing, usually several semesters of that. And so there's a lot of basic science, and then there's a lot of reasoning. You know, you're in small groups a lot, you're in labs a lot, so there's a lot of hands-on. It's a lot of information in a short amount of time. You get a degrees, even though it's not a four-year degree track type program, as opposed to a certificate. Is that correct? Correct. So years ago, it was a certificate program when PA programs first started 50 years ago, and then it moved on to a bachelor's degree, and now it has been at the master's level for quite a long since I was in school. I graduated in 2004, so even before then, you know, it was at a master's level. You know, credit hours are high, but it is a master's degree when you come out of it. I don't want to say the degree doesn't matter because it does, but as far as being able to practice medicine, you have to graduate from an accredited school in order to sit for your certifying national boards. And so if you don't graduate from a school that's a, that has ARC-PA accreditation, you can't sit for your national certifying exam. So really, PA students really care about that certifying exam because they can't practice without that. And so that is really like the end goal is to be able to graduate so that you can sit for your boards so that you can um, have your certification. And then you attempt to get licensed in the states. But all states require you to be NCCPA certified before you can actually acquire a license as far as your initial one goes. So the, uh, the ARC-PA accreditation process is very lengthy. It is something that I'm familiar with because I did help another university go through the same process three years ago and it was successful. It is very daunting. ARC-PA is extremely rigorous and high bar. So if you don't do what they have told you to do, then, then you don't get accreditation. It's as simple as that. We will definitely have to do, you know, the things to get accreditation. But then the whole time, also, I'm working on RPA accreditation, hiring more people to help me um, work on that and get the program up and going. RPA accreditation is more lengthy. There's more information that you have to turn in. And classes ideally will begin when? May of 22. And that is the timeline we have right now is if everything goes as planned, then May of 22 is when we would start our first class. And you have classes in the Case and Kennedy Nursing Building? Yes, that is where we will be housed, yes. Your students will have uh, lab fees and lab courses just like the nursing students do. Yes. Mm -hmm. We'll take another break right here and we'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. 
MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. Terra wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to Terra, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking about the process for creating a new physician assistant program with its director, Dr. Marie Patterson, an assistant professor in the College of Behavioral and Health Sciences. Could you explain the responsibilities of the didactic director? Kind of like I said earlier, there's the didactic phase, which is at the beginning, that's all your bookwork. Then there's the clinical director. So the didactic director really is in charge of the flow of the classes, laying out um, and making sure everything is getting evaluated properly. Are we sequencing things the right way? So you need somebody kind of in charge of that process. Faculty will be in charge of their classes and the didactic director will be teaching as well. You kind of need somebody kind of taking a step back and saying, you know, are we doing a good job um, with the layout of the didactic phase? Do we need to change things? you know, implementing new pedagogies, you know, that kind of things. Will there be classes in medical ethics too? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. That, that's also another class that we have. Yeah, I didn't list off all of the classes. PA is very big on transparency with students. Um, the ARC-PA has standards that are in medical ethics that you have to cover. And so most programs choose to have a class that is medical ethics. So we did turn in for that class. How big is the need for PAs in the uh, Middle Tennessee area specifically? I think it's high. And I think one thing that I want to have this program target is we really, this is going to be the vision and the mission of this program is really to target underserved rural and then public health settings because I have worked in my career you know not only did I do a decade at MTSU but I've also worked in rural health care while Tennessee has its metropolitan areas for sure we also have a lot of rural and underserved areas in Tennessee and that is where the need is the highest in my opinion for PAs and so I really want to be very intentional about putting our students in clinical rotations in those settings, and then hopefully they will stay there and they will fall in love with those areas and and help where there is greatest need. And that might also be where the uh, payback of student loans comes in as an incentive to locate Mm -hmm. in a, a rural area as opposed to an urban area with all the amenities that might uh, delight but also distract a young person. Correct. And and also one thing that's going to be great is because we are a state institution, our tuition rate that we've proposed is by far the lowest in the entire state. So it's kind of, it goes hand in hand. If you have lower student loans and we intentionally put you in these areas of high need, then hopefully you're not so concerned about paying your student loans back when you graduate and you can take a job maybe that does pay a little bit less, but it is a great opportunity and a great need area and maybe you're actually able to do that because your tuition was lower and so your student loans and your payments will be lower when you come out of school. So that I think is kind of like a win-win. Corporate chains, healthcare chains, make sort of inroads in the uh, rural areas in Tennessee. There might even be possibilities for openings in rural areas with a regional or national chain if that's what the individual desires. 
Correct. Yeah. So, so the options are literally limitless. And so, and sometimes that, that works out well because, you know, your benefits will a lot of times be better in that situation too. Um, and sometimes you might go to War Trace one day and you might go to Shelbyville one day. So you might not necessarily be in the same place all the time. And some people like that flexibility and like that change of scenery. And, but there might be opportunities too. If you're from a certain area and you want to stay in that area, you may be able to stay in that area. So that's what's so great about it is, is all of the flexibility and all the possibilities these days. You said uh, earlier uh, that there is a sort of a, a team mentality or a team mm-hmm. atmosphere mm-hmm. in which a PA is likely to find himself or herself. What exactly is, shall we say, the uh, workplace atmosphere atmosphere in terms of how decisions are made? Is there necessarily always a full-fledged doctor on hand or on duty, or could PAs be all of the healthcare professionals with the exception of a couple of nurses in a particular clinic? Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about how all of the clinicians work together. Well, healthcare in general is what I call a team sport. You know, you as a patient, if you think about it, when you go somewhere, you don't just interact with one person. Somebody's checking you in and somebody's bringing you back and somebody's seeing you and writing your prescriptions and you're taking your prescriptions somewhere to be filled. So, I mean, there's many different people that are helping you when you need to be seen. And then as far as PAs and what we're capable of and the laws and things like that in Tennessee. So you don't have to have a physician in-house all the time. So for example, when I worked at a walk-in clinic in Manchester, when it was my turn to work, I was the only clinician in the building. It was me and one other person who was an x-ray tech and she also did a lot of MA type of work, medical assistant type of work. And so she would bring the patients back, she would triage, she would do the x-rays if I needed her to, you know, do the lab work and everything. And then I was the clinician. Now, if I ever had any questions, of course, I had a collaborating physician that I could get a hold of. But in Tennessee, the law is, and every state is different. You know, this is a state by state thing. Of course, I could call him anytime that I needed to, but that was very few and far between there. And I had already worked in the emergency room for two years, though, in a very rural area where I was doing a lot of different things, high acuity type of things in that setting. I was very comfortable, you know, being in, in a walk-in clinic by myself at that point, a couple years into my practice, but also knowing that if I needed help, I could just pick up the phone and, and call and ask. And of course, when you're in that setting as well, if you see something you're not comfortable with, or if you think this is not the right setting for this, you need to be in the emergency room. Then you send them to the emergency room. You don't try to take care of something that's outside of what you're comfortable with or where they should be. So you should also be considering what setting should this patient be seen in right now. But on the other hand, these clinics take care of a lot of people, especially low-income people who otherwise, if the clinic did not exist, would go to the emergency room, especially in the wee hours of the morning, because they felt they have no alternative, even though it does not fit the definition of an emergency. Correct. Or even worse, they won't go anywhere. You know, I know of counties in Tennessee right now where there's one physician in the entire county and they work in the emergency room. So there's no primary care physician in the entire county. There, like I said, there's a lot of need in Tennessee and I'm hoping with our in-state tuition being what it's going to be that we will keep a lot of our students in the state because a lot of times people will end up in a state for PA school and they have no desire to stay there. They're going back home. So if we have lower in-state tuition and we're able to draw people from this area, hopefully we'll have more stay in this area. In the beginning of the profession, were there doubters who said, well, I don't want to go to somebody who's a physician's assistant. I, that, I won't get as good a care as I would from a quote-unquote full-fledged doctor. Sure, yeah. I mean, and that still goes on probably. You know, Sometimes you give them the option 
and you say, well, okay, well, if you're in a big clinic and there are physicians there, you say, okay, but it's going to be two more hours or I can go ahead and see you now. And, and a lot of times they, they haven't seen a PA before, so they don't know. And so they don't know you. And so I always just take that opportunity to let them get to know me, see that I know what I'm talking about. I always try to involve the patient in their own care. Like, here's why I want to order this test. Here's why I want to order this test. This test is kind of optional. So how do you feel about this? Or give them different plans. You know, like, here's what I want to do, but I understand that you don't really want to have this procedure done right now. So what if we wait and do this first, and then you come back and we'll do that, you know, if you're feeling more comfortable with it at that time. So just trying to have a conversation where you involve the patient and get them involved. It seems like nowadays, compared to generations ago, patients really want to be more involved in making their own choices. And so if you're transparent and upfront and, and the patient feels like you're listening to them, then a lot of times that's how you build trust. They don't appreciate it when people don't listen. So if you just show them that you are listening and you hear what they say and that you really are here for their best health in mind, then that goes a long way. I know elderly people who didn't know that PAs had the legal right to write prescriptions until they actually <laughs> went to one and they showed them right. the pen that see, there's the DEA number right there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It can be, like I said, we're a baby profession. We've only been around 51, 52 years. And so for that generation, you know, they grew up only going to a physician. So that's, that's, that's normal. That doesn't bother me. You know, I just try to take time to educate them. And, and once they see that, you know, what you're doing and you're comfortable, then they're usually okay with it. And of course you're going to get people that don't like you every once in a while. And that's okay. You don't get your feelings hurt. You just try to wish them good luck. <laughs> As the process moves along in the meantime, how can people who are interested in this program get more information? Of course, they can reach out to me, um, marie.patterson at mtsu.edu. I'm more than happy to talk to anybody that's interested. If they just want to talk about the, the program in general um, and the vision for the program, by all means, I would be happy to answer questions because it, I am very passionate about the PA profession. I'm very passionate about education. Um, I got my doctorate after PA school a long time ago because I knew I wanted to go into education. And I love MTSU. I love MTSU students. Like I said, I worked for a decade in the clinic. So you know, my heart is here and I'm really, really excited about this program and what it's going to be able to do for the community what it's going to be able to do for a lot of students in this area. Dr. Marie Patterson, thank you for being our guest and talking about the new program here on MTSU on the Record. Thank you. We'll be right back. The Middle East Center at MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The Center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East Studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, Center Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Randy Weiler has the middle moment. Joined by University President Sidney McPhee, deans, and various campus academic representatives, the MTSU True Blue Tour continues this fall. The tour travels across Tennessee, plus student and counselor receptions in Atlanta, Georgia, Birmingham and Huntsville, Alabama, and Louisville and Lexington, Kentucky. Visit MTSU RSVP for special events, 
for more information or to register. Deb Sills, Vice President of Student Affairs and Vice Provost for Enrollment and Academic Services, shares more from an out-of-the-blue interview with host Andrew Ottman, Vice President of Marketing and Communications. We're back in every way, and that means that my staff and uh, advising staff and some of the academic affairs staff and the president mm -hmm. will all go back on the road this fall, and so we will be visiting prospective students and their families all across the state, a dozen locations, including out of state, so it will be a, a really fun time for us to get back on the road and get out there talking about what MTSU does that is different and special and why it might be the, the right place for your student to be. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.